Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Golf Exposed podcast, our maiden voyage, if you will, our video edition of the Golf Exposed podcast, and to honor that time-honored tradition of video footage, we have two of the most handsome gentlemen you'll ever find. We have the CEO, the president of Great Life Golf, John Matthew Brown, and of course, we have Director of Revenue, Bryce Voice in here with us as well for Golf Back. And Bryce, it's been a while. I don't think the uh, Golf Exposed Nation has ever seen your face. Um, we usually try to make, we reserve that for John anytime uh, we want to make someone look pretty and handsome with those baby blues, but here you are in all your glory. How's it feel? Feels great. I have a face for radio, but other than that, it's great. Um, there's a lot of enhancements I can use uh, in, in post-production. Never you That's mind. Good. John, welcome back to the program. Good to actually see you. Um, how are things on the home front? Things are great. Uh, great life's growing. Golf back's growing. Uh, really excited to get into the 2023 season and, and rounds are really starting to pick up, especially in the Southeast. We had some great weather in January and February. It's amazing how much you look like a great operator when the weather's nice in February, Jordan. So, <laughs> so the Golf Exposed podcast, we dive into a lot of things that are inside the industry, some that are more casual topics. We're going to cover both today. But first and foremost, John, one of the things we've heard you talk about on the show probably more than anything else or as much as anything else is competitive displacement. And with that in mind, a topic came across my LinkedIn that you shared and had some pretty heavy handed comments going in, uh, in your comments section. So can you walk us through a little bit about what just happened regarding T-Snap and golf now and the article that you reacted to on LinkedIn? Sure. So T-Snap's a point of sale system out there uh, that generally uh, was a system that offered uh, products to customers, and they gave uh, th those products through a barter solution, uh, but they didn't integrate with other technology partners. And the announcement came out about three weeks ago or so that they were going to start integrating with other technology partners, platforms like Golfback and other platforms out there, which we thought in the moment was uh, an announcement uh, you know, that was a positive announcement. Anytime that you offer open integration and you give you know, your owners and operators um, more access to other technology companies to work with. We think that's a positive thing. We believe in open integration. Well, a few weeks later, fast forward and a big announcement comes out that uh, Golf Now is now uh, partnering and going to be the main distribution platform for T-Snap. And just the timing of open integration being a positive. Uh, and then three weeks later, the announcement of, you know, Golf Now being the distribution platform, uh, you know, it just caught me off guard. And I wondered uh, who's really benefiting from that relationship. Did we ever get to the bottom of who actually does benefit from that? I saw that in the comments section. Uh, your headline when you shared it was this benefits who with eight question marks. So in in broad terms, who does this actually benefit? The details are in the fine print, right? What's the agreement uh, for distribution for a golf course? If a golf course feels strongly in their T-SNAP customer that they want their inventory on golf now, uh, there could be a scenario where the golf course operator feels it benefits them. I think the challenge for me is the transparency in that relationship. And does the golf course operator understand if there's some sort of revenue share potentially for T-SNAP and offering uh, you know, their customers tee times on the Golf Now platform? What is the relationship? And, you know, just for the way the announcement came out, you know, I do question whether, you know, who does this benefit? Does it benefit T-Snap and Golf Now? Or is it really a positive for the golf course owner and operator? Bryce, I don't know if you read uh, or saw John's LinkedIn post. You actually have, uh, you know, children and a social life, perhaps, and um, you're, you are a happy marriage. So perhaps you're not on social media several hours a day like I am. So did, did you come across John's post? Did you read the article? What were your initial thoughts? I did. Yep. I did read the article. Um, look, you know, I'm a, 
First and foremost, I really believe in open integration. So, you know, I can't fault T-SNAP for wanting to give their golf course operators choice, right? Um, the part that I would say is interesting to me and bothers me a little bit is that golf now at the beginning, right? Golf now before they were anything else was a distribution channel, right? So what that meant was, was their business was really built on the backs of open integration and built on the backs of the integration with the point of sale providers that existed in the marketplace then. So now today, right, um, they actually pick and choose who they allow to integrate into their point of sale system now that they own the T-sheet and own the point of sale system. And they, they don't allow everybody to, to do so. So I think it's a little bit ironic that, you know, um, they're celebrating this new integration with T-SNAP um, when they don't allow everybody to integrate. And really, the fabric of their business was built on the back of that integration with other point of sales. So, the, you know, the fact that they're, they're integra integrated partners doesn't bother me. And I don't have any problem with T-SNAP giving their customer the choice. Um, my problem's more so. And kind of the history and the background that exists there with golf now. At the end of the day, it's all about whether you, the golf course owner and operator, are seeing growth in your green fees and current fee revenues. And if you are, then it's a positive relationship. I do believe there's plenty of times where there's announcements such as this, uh, we, which look good on the surface, but at the end of the day, they don't impact the green and cart fees uh, bottom line. So I think you have to understand the details behind uh, the different relationships you have, point of sales, distribution, how they interface and interplay with your green and card fee revenue. At the end of the day, you need to grow your green and card fee revenue. Obviously, I think the best way to do that is to drive your customers direct, own their data, become the direct marketing uh, communicator to your customers, and own 100% of your online green and card fee revenue. I think that's the way you do it. So. Bryce, I asked John this question quite often. I want to get your thoughts on it. So John actually, when I'm quoting John here on LinkedIn, he said, I guarantee you this is not good for the golf course owner, operator, or employee. I think people, when they're going to their, their local club, now I realize some of the business is transient, but when people are booking at a club, they want to support the owner operator. They want to support the club that they've come to grow to know and love in their area. And the staff that they uh, form relationships with. So in what ways, Bryce, in your opinion, then John, you can follow up. In what ways is this practice detrimental to the owner, operator, and the employee at a club? I mean, the fact of the matter is if someone's booking a tee time through a third party, right, um, the, the golf course is not owning the relationship with that golfer. Uh, so if if the golf course is doing business with a third party, I, I think it's, I strongly advise that they have a really good procedure in place for making sure that that customer that's coming to the door, having booked through a third party, they have something in place to make sure that the next time that that golfer books, they can try to get them to book through their own channels. So what does that mean? I mean, that means that um, they have to find a way to collect that golfer's data to know who that golfer is, um, and then to reach out market to that golfer to get them booking through their own direct channels. Um, and, and and really owning the, that relationship them, themselves. You know, I think as time has gone on in our industry, golf courses have become have become reliant on those third parties because they really aren't great at marketing themselves and really don't have a plan to take those customers that are booking third party and convert them into um, direct bookers and, and owning that that relationship with the golfer. John, any follow up to what Bryce said? Do you agree? 
I do. I think it redirects revenue one. So revenue that could be going to the club and helping the club, the owner, the operators and the employees gets redirected into a third party channel, which uh, does not help the golf course. That's number one. Number two, it creates competitive displacement of customers where if a third party owns your lowest price, you know, they're going to book on that third party. And really what we know about how golfers buy tee times online is they care about the brand the conditioning and the experience and the idea of you need access to this network uh, to be successful. Just, I just don't believe in that uh, idea. I mean, the numbers prove out that you don't need that. I think people search for golf differently than they search for, you know, other um, avenues of, of platforms that they might be looking for options like hotels or airlines or something along those lines. I think golf is bought differently. Does this type of practice happen in any other industry in the world in quite this fashion? Because every time I explain this to someone and I'm a layman, but I'm explaining it to other people who are just casual golfers or just people that I'm talking to and understanding why we preach this so much. Does this sort of thing happen in any other walk of life, any other facet of business or industry? And if it does, could you equate it to something that like an average or casual golfer might understand? It, I mean, it's happening right in, in hotels, certainly in hotels. And I think the, the, the main differentiator is the fact that, you know, 95% of golf courses in the United States are not in destination markets. Therefore, you know, a, a golfer in their hometown, they know what options exist in the marketplace. And when that golfer goes to book a tee time, they're thinking about course first before they think about channel, right? So what that means is how much value is something like Golf Now or third party really giving you when that golfer already knows your brand, knows the experience, knows the golf course. Um, at that point, I would argue that that golfer is shopping price. And I think if you looked at the conversion rates through third-party channels and the conversion rates through direct channels, that it would prove out that golfers go several places to look before they end up making a purchase. So it's, where do I want to play? And then it's next, where can I find the best deal? And all of the analytics support that, right? So um, the fact that, you know, at, in that environment, you allow the third party to own your lowest price, that's obviously a problem because that's where the golfer is going to decide to, to book at that point, right? So um, I think that the nature in the golf industry that Barter has presented um, is, is causing problems because golf courses do allow the, the third party to own their lowest price. We believe that you need to collect your own data as a golf course. You need to own your lowest price. You need to own that relationship with the customer. You do that, and in the long run, you're just going to be in a much better position. So what I would tell the T-SNAP customers who have seen this announcement that came out, just ensure you know the details around it. Uh, have some clarity around what you have to give up to list your inventory on that distribution platform if you're considering it. And ultimately, ask yourself, if I am giving away my lowest price, if I'm giving away my data collection opportunity, if I'm not the main marketer to my customer, is that in my best long-term interest? So, John, Bryce, I get this email from Golf Now, clearly labeled, clear branding, and it says that there's a, there's a very happy trio out on the course, and they want me to live vicariously through them and take advantage of this deal. It says, with more daylight comes more time to get out on the course and save. Get 20% off hot deals on tee times now through March 24th. So, John, is this an example of competitive displacement that you talk about so often? 
Well, this is an example of golf now being marketing geniuses, and they are marketing geniuses. So if you just break it down, right, what are they promoting? They're promoting golf now hot deals. What are golf now hot deals? Those are the traded barter tee times that golf courses have given up. So they are promoting their own interests, how they make revenue, correct? And it's daylight savings times. There's more time in the evening to play golf. So they're promoting off the fact that there's more time on the evening to play golf. I think the biggest part uh, of a marketing email like that is if you click that link, it'll take you to Golf Now and you'll look at only Golf Now hot deals. So as a golf course owner or operator who's working with Golf Now and I'm putting my inventory on their platform, they're actually putting out a marketing email, which they'll never see my tee times. They're only going to see my traded barter tee times that drive them revenue. So they're working their own network for their own interests, never promoting the club, only promoting the club from a standpoint of tee times they can make revenue from. And actually, I clicked on uh, that promotion once you sent it over to me, Jordan, to take a look at. And it took you to the Orlando market. And it was on March 13th that I looked. And I actually looked at a club that a lot of people will know in that market. It's Shingle Creek Golf Club. And on March 16th at 8.11 and 8.21, Golf Now was selling tee times for $131.99. Uh, You can imagine what a foursome looks like uh, at that type of number as far as revenue for golf now. And I went to the Shingle Creek uh, Golf website and those same tee times or the tee times around the hot deals were selling for $164. So I would say in that scenario, does golf now own Shingle Creek's lowest rate in the market, Jordan? It it certainly seems like they own it and they also sort of helped create it. They created it, they own it, and they're promoting it within their own marketing database and they're going to drive revenues that uh, builds uh, you know, for their self-interest and you can't blame them. They've built the business model around that, but I would challenge that Shingle Creek has really made a lot of mistakes in that relationship. They've given away their lowest rate. They've allowed golf now to now market uh, to customers in the Orlando market, Shingle Creek tee times, and they're creating competitive displacement customers that will go to golf now because they can buy cheaper tee times to play Shingle Creek. Bryce, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest key here is that the pay at course inventory was never even seen by the golfer, right? So it's it's the equivalent of walking into a store, right? And there being shirts on a rack. And those shirts, if they're bought, the revenues go to somewhere else. But then not only that, it goes beyond that. They made the store owner take all the shirts that would generate revenue for the store and hide them back in the back closet in the 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 shopper never even saw the shirts that could make the store owner revenue. The barter relationship's one thing, but then to have a promotion where the golfer is never even introduced to to pay course inventory, um, to me, that relationship doesn't seem very fair for the golfers. And not only that, Jordan, if these hot deal times are actually bought, then when the customer clicks on this link to look at other hot deal times, they won't see Shingle Creek at all. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. If the hot deal times are bought, they won't show up. They're only showing hot deal times. Once they're gone, they're going to promote other clubs in the Orlando market, uh, you know, to drive the revenue from tea times they still own. So there's a lot of problems with this. And uh, most of them are problems that over the long term will very much erode your customer database. Do you think the reason that more clubs don't become aware of this or they don't take corrective action is just because you know the owner operators um, wear many hats. They're busy, or they're not always on site. They're not always checking in on things like this. And you know, golf now is a big name. They've heard in the industry, huge financial backing. So, what do you think is the reason that 
more people aren't becoming aware of it, which is what we're trying to do is raise awareness and they can ultimately decide for themselves. But what do you think is the reason that more and more people um, sort of buy into this and allow it to happen? I think golf now does a really, really good job at showing the golf course or, or showing the golf course things that make the golf course operator think that golf now is providing um, value. Uh, an example of that is reporting. A lot of golf courses use the Golf Now booking engine on their golf course website. If you're a Golf Now customer and you use a Golf Now booking engine on your course website and you have tee times listed on golfnow.com, I highly encourage you to run a rounds by distribution channel report. Um, and I think you'll see that the majority of your online rounds being sold, Golf Now showing you are mostly being sold through your website and not mostly being sold through golfnow.com. So I would highly encourage you to understand your distribution. And uh, but that's just one small example of I think how Golf Now does a good job of showing golf courses they're providing value, but things aren't always what they seem when it comes to those reports. Jordan, I can give you an example uh, based off of what Bryce just spoke about. Um, for a golf course to analyze. So if a golf course, a particular golf course did a hundred rounds from golf now in a particular month, what they need to do is they need to look at those rounds and the distribution of those rounds, where they came from, what channel. And what Bryce means is how many tee times were booked through the golf course website. And what they'll generally find is 65 to 70% of those tee times, 100 tee times that came from golf now actually came from their golf course website. Additionally, what they'll find is about 45% to 50% of those tee times are of the barter nature, right? They're the traded tee time. So you might see 50 to 55% are paid tee times, 45% are the barter traded tee times. And of the 100 rounds, 70% of those rounds are coming through your golf course website. Well, if you peel back those percentages, it doesn't take you long to realize, you know, maybe we're offering too much of a discount to this distribution channel. And then on top of all of that, generally what you'll find is 90% of the overall tee times populated in premium windows. And that's generally what we saw in the Brown Golf Portfolio. That's why we made the decision to, to move on from golf now when we did. 